that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. First time we've been together since Ohio State officially named the starting quarterback. But, you know, we knew this was coming. We did a C.J. Stroud is all but officially named the starting quarterback pod last week. So we'll talk about that because it's important. But we don't need to go, I think, a ton into that because, yeah, we knew it. Captain's named over the weekend. First time we're with you guys because we we record the market down Mondays. I think you know this. Let's, we're trying to have some weekends. Nathan and Stephen were out of town this week. They kind of threw some stuff at us we didn't expect over the weekend. So we record Market Down Monday, which is always a very specific thing, usually like Friday afternoon. So you've heard the Monday pod, but we haven't been together to talk about this stuff. So CJ Stroud, captains. But then on Monday, we talked to Matt Barnes, Ryan Day, and like every safety you can think of, which means deep safeties, Josh Proctor, Bryson Shaw. Cover safeties, which we have to talk about. Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez, Marcus Williamson, guys like that. And the Bullets, who are really safeties. Court Williams, Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman. Did Marcus Hooker come out? No. Did not see him. Okay. But Marcus Hooker's back in the mix. We need to talk about that a little bit as well. So that's what's ahead on this big Tuesday Buckeye talk. And then on Wednesday, we are going to dive into, now that we know that C.J. Stroud is officially the starting quarterback from Minnesota, what? do we really think this offense is going to look like? We'll talk about how we think the, the play calling will go, the types of things they're going to try to do, how they'll attack people, and we'll reference some stuff from the past and also what we've learned this year. Okay, Nathan, what do we need to say, right? It's the thing, it is like the thing that we've been waiting for all year, so I don't want to downplay it. But sometimes when the thing is like, oh, it's the thing everybody expected. Like if Kyle McCord had been named the starting quarterback or, you know, Quinn Ewers came in and won the job in a day, we'd be doing a nine-hour podcast. Like, oh, CJ Stroud, like what everybody thought, you know, the whole time. But I don't want to overlook that. I don't want to downplay that. So what what do you – so what do you want to talk about? What are we supposed to say about CJ Stroud sort of – the obvious guy who has done every single thing right from the moment he got here is now Ohio State starting quarterback. Well, yeah, I think that's a good thing that we're doing that Wednesday podcast where we will get much more in-depth and we could take some more time to really think about the offense. I think right now, though, it it goes back to the question that I feel like I asked Ryan Day the day that he hinted that C.J. Stroud was going to be the starter, which is like, okay, but when do you like start splitting up the reps? When does he become – when you take starter reps. And I think that that now is the big delineation. I think that that is going forward in a different way than it was even going last week. We didn't get to see it the one day we were out there because he was, you know, coincidentally was taking an armrest day and we only saw him throw like two passes the whole day. But to me, that's the important thing now is that this is the guy that's getting the reps as opposed to, it's not the, the title that you could have given him the title whenever, but give him the reps. Now that's the important thing to get ready for September 2nd. Well, but we also know he's definitely going to be got be the guy who's going to play. That's that's actually the most important thing, right? I mean, that's that's the. I mean, no, we I still because you because Nathan, you were the one you were you held out a larger McCord sliver than than other people had. So I do think, like, while it was obvious, we needed to be told it officially. And I will tell you, like, for instance, Texas A and M doesn't have a starting quarterback yet. You know, they still have, they still, have, they think they're going to go with another guy from that class of 2020, just like Stroud and Uyunglele and Young, but they haven't named him yet. 
You know, like there's some other places where like Notre Dame just kind of named Jack Cohen a couple days ago. There are a couple things here. Like we did need, so to your point, Ryan Day said like kind of middle last week, CJ Stroud kind of started taking the first team reps, more of them. And then on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, he locked it down in the scrimmage. They had their last scrimmage. That was like a preseason game, Ryan Day called it. 100 snaps at noon in the shoe, full pregame ritual. And C.J. Stroud, I think they needed a last confirmation. That's why they announced it Saturday, because they had the scrimmage Friday, and they were like, yes, we thought he was the guy. He's the guy. Look what he just did. He graded a champion, all that. So, And now, yes, and now Ryan Day said he was starting to take most of the middle last week. Now he's going to take them all. But we still needed – this was enough of a competition. Like, right, you thought there was a 10% chance at some point during this that Kyle McCord might win this somehow. So we did still need – even though it's obvious, we did need the final, final confirmation. Yeah, I didn't really think that anymore, though, after last week. Once he said that last week that he had separated, I thought it was just a matter of time. And to me, it's just more the formality of, okay, and now we're breaking up the reps this way to give him maximum preparation for September 2nd. And Ryan Day did say on Monday, this Monday, that they are about 50-50 for the the rest of the next few days on camp stuff, one versus ones versus getting ready for Minnesota that they're like halfway into game prep. And then they'll get into game week, I guess, like Friday or something since they're opening on Thursday, then it'll be game week. And like, you really need to make sure you have your starting quarterback for that. So, so Steven, we need to do this and we will be doing this a lot. There is a lot to write about the CJ Stroud story, but I think, you know, as we are talking for the first time about this guy being Ohio state starting quarterback late offer, you know, wows people in June between his junior and senior year at Elite 11, gets the late offer. And and in like in two years goes from like a guy that is not even really on Ohio State's radar to their starting quarterback. I mean, it's a great, awesome story of C.J. Stroud, like rising up the ranks and seizing a job. I mean, this this guy deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, it's it's. Justin Fields' story, but on steroids, it's even that much more of a late bloomer because nobody knew who this kid was before he showed up at Elite 11 as a replacement for DJ Uyunglele. So it's not even like he got an initial offer to the, to the site. He went to two different regional camps in California and didn't get an invite to either one of those. DJ opts out to focus more on, you know, at St. John Bosco, focus on winning a national championship. And so that opens up an opportunity. I think I referenced this before. There's a video of CJ getting the invite. Um, he's on FaceTime with the guys who run it, Trent Dilfer and everybody else over there. And then he immediately gets on the phone with his mom and is pretty close to crying, just going, Mom, I got the invite. I got the invite. He's like an excited little 15, 16 year old. Then he goes there and handles his business. And then from here on out, it's like this momentum starts to shift in his favor. He goes from a guy rated in the 500s to now he's the third best quarterback in his recruiting class behind DJ and Bryce Young. And now here we are. He's the starting quarterback for Ohio State when 24 months ago, if we were having a discussion on who we thought Ohio State's mm-hmm. next starter after Justin would be, if we would have said either Kyle McCord or Jack Miller or Transfer Portal. You read the story. I mean, he wins the MVP at that Elite 11. I think at the time he's like the 25th ranked quarterback yep. in his class. He's a three-star. And again, it's one of these things. Well, that happens simultaneously. Your star ranking goes up because Ohio State's interested in you, mm-hmm. right? It's not that like, 
the, the scouting service independently says, oh, this guy's actually closer to a five-star in Ohio State, says, oh, then we're interested. They watch the film. They see what's going on. And as much, you know, CJ's emotional about getting the invite. And then he told the story on signing day when he got here. I mean, it's like he gets, Ryan Day calls him. And he, like, is emotional, like, drops to his knees of, like, mm-hmm. now I'm going to get an Ohio State offer out of this? Like, this is unbelievable. And all the Ohio State guys who were there are telling Ryan Day, man, you got you got to get on this guy. And so here we are. So the, the thing I will say, guys, that was interesting, and, and Nathan, I guess this is splitting hairs, but well, I, I, let, me say, let me say two things. The, one, the thing I was about to say is Ryan Day did not say C.J. Stroud's our starting quarterback. He said he's starting against Minnesota, right? And like he very much made that distinction, which is true of everybody. Again, it's the stuff when coaches say, well, you know, Garrett Wilson's starting against Minnesota. That doesn't get guarantee anything for Oregon. It's like, okay, whatever, right? He did that with Justin too. It's like, oh, this just means he's starting for the Florida Atlanta game. Right. Okay, sure. But, and while, but like with Justin, but with Justin, like, I don't believe it. You know, again, he tried to make it sound like Gunnar Hope was in the competition. That's just coach speak. Yeah. This, and, and this is, but of course, like he could say also, if he said, C.J. Stroud's our starting quarterback until C.J. Stroud leads campus and he threw four interceptions against Minnesota, he'd be benched the next week. So, like, it doesn't really matter what he says, but he did make that point. So, Nathan, what do you make of that? But my other thing is, and and I want to, if I get around to writing it this week, Ohio State has a history of kind of mucking up quarterback competitions, right? I mean, whether it's Cardale Jones and JT Barrett, whether it's Troy Smith and Justin Zwick, whether it's Joe Germain and Stanley Jackson, like they make a mess of these things that it's not always easy. And if this is it, right, for this year, if it's just like C.J. Stroud won it and C.J. Stroud starts every game and they're great, this was pretty easy. Like this was handled pretty well that like they had the three guys in the spring. They managed the Quinn Ewers stuff. They announced him. I think Joey Coppin from the dispatch is the one who pointed out it was 12 days before the opener, which was Justin was 12 days before the opener when they officially, officially announce it. If this is it, and it's not a guarantee that it's it because some people still think, oh, watch out for Quinn. (laughs) I don't know how much I think that anymore. I mean, the Quinn, Quinn like has like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's tired arm. I don't know. I, I don't want to, because all Ryan Day said, it's a physical issue. That's like, he's not practicing right now. So, well, that's not, that's not helping, right? That's not great. You got here late. You got here two weeks after camp started. And now, by the way, like you're missing the last week of camp, but Nathan, if this is it pretty smooth, but so what do you think of that? How in the end, it's like, let's evaluate the competition and how Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Kevin Wilson, and everybody handled the competition itself. And then let's evaluate the idea of he's the starter for Minnesota. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it played out exactly like we all suspected it was the most likely case, right? Like three talented guys, but the one of the two who is older, who is the more talented, and then by extension also has the most experience relative to this group of inexperienced guys wins the job. Like that's kind of how we would have handicapped it from the beginning and that yeah that's how it turned out i don't think that shocks anybody but i also think that because of the way they've structured this because the way ryan day has structured this if you want ultimate competition in the room then i think you have to talk about it in this sort of terminology it wouldn't really be fair to your team it wouldn't be fair to that room to say cj stroud's our starter today and no matter what happens he's starting week two and he's starting week five and he's starting week nine like that wouldn't really make any sense and you've also got to keep 
as we've talked about many times, you got to keep those other guys invested too. You got to keep those guys. You want them around. First of all, you want Kyle McCord and Jack Miller to stay on this roster as long as possible, but you also want them to keep developing because you don't know when you might need one of them. So you've got to have Kyle McCord at least thinking in the back of his mind that, you know, Yes, he came in behind from an experience standpoint, had the most to catch up. I think he did pretty admirably from everything we've heard. But just because he didn't win this starting job on day one doesn't mean he isn't ready to be Ohio State starting quarterback this year. And I think that's probably true of Jack Miller, too. Also, like if Jack Miller and Kyle McCord go in the portal on Tuesday, it'll be like, I don't know how good. Like, I, mean, I was definitely like as guys were walking back in, trying to locate all the quarterbacks and making sure they were still there. Kyle was there. Jack was there. I, I don't think I saw Quinn, but he's not going anywhere. So I'm not really right. focused on that one. But every time we're in that building after a practice, that's going to be probably the first thing I do is watch and see if Kyle and Jack are still here. I, I would still be shocked if either of them left this early or especially if both of them left this early because you know i don't think you want to be the guy who looks back at the end of this season and says oh three weeks in when the worst case scenario happens you right. don't want to speak it into existence but something bad happens i could have been a state starting quarterback but instead i was uh, you know figuring out where my dorm was at wherever state and to that point ryan day didn't say who the backup is because as soon as you name a backup now number three knows he's number three and then he might be ready to go but if you don't tell anybody who number two is then they both can think they might be number two and then at most they both might stay again. It's not, you know, the Kentucky Kentucky had a competition. The dude who lost it, like they announced his transfer in the same breath. They announced who the starter was and Tennessee had like a four-way competition. And one of the guys who was like a one-time starter who was not going to win it left. Right. So, so guys like guys do leave, but to your point, I do think, you know, I, I, and I don't know all the specifics of it. I think you'd have to be a little mad to leave that it's like, is it the smartest thing to leave? It's like, well, if you're super mad, who cares if it's the smartest thing, but it doesn't sound like that's what it is. But I do think from our perspective, sometimes you want to judge the results and you want to judge the process. And those are different things, but it's actually hard to separate them because we don't, we can't see the process. So the only way that we can really judge the process is by the results. So you could have a great, fair comprehensive quarterback competition and if number two and number three bolt an hour later you're like man i don't know about that it's like well you might have done it great and they just got mad or you might have had it like it was crazy and guys were ticked off and like everybody's mad but they don't really have anything else to do so they stay so you think oh well this was handled but meanwhile you like so so we don't know but at the moment the results would indicate that like the process seemed okay steven like you know this was Again, we had a thing from a texter when we texted out Saturday, hey, Ryan Day just announced C.J. Stroud. And they were like, does this seem early? In 2015, they didn't announce it, you know, until the two minutes before a kickoff or the Virginia Tech game. And it's like, clearly, that was the thing that is not normal. This is normal. 12 days days before the opener is normal. 12 minutes before the opener is not normal. So, like, from that standpoint, Stephen, this was a lot – healthier than what they did in 2015 it feels like for right now nobody feels lied to i guess it seems like this it was going to be a kyle knew this was going to be a long shot for him to come in here and win this job and from day one this was always he was there's there was going to be a lot of catching up he was going to have to do even with cj and jack not having a normal year last year which is part of the message that ryan day was consistently trying to convey survey is just don't pay attention to everybody else. Just develop, develop, develop. Stop looking to the side and stuff. And it felt like some of that was 
and I think we had that conversation about who, what, what, what does that message mean for everybody in the room? For Kyle, it maybe always felt like, don't feel like you have to win the job today and, and catch up completely with this one throw or this one player or this one snap. And it maybe felt like at times that's what Kyle was doing. He was overly aggressive. And since we did get to watch a full practice with CJ not playing, you got to see some of that in full action where sometimes he would maybe try to fit a ball in the window where he shouldn't. And as Doug likes to call it after Baker Mayfield coined it, feeling a little dangerous. And because that's trying to play catch up all at one time and get it all back at the same time. And so right now this is going the way maybe it was planned to go. CJ Stroud has been the guy we've all perceived to be the starting quarterback for a year that played out. Let's see how the season goes. And then we start this all over in January where literally everybody who decides to stay in this room will be on equal footing. So I do think, and I wrote for Sunday about like, what does this all mean for Jack Miller, Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord? So there's the guy who right now would position himself to be number two, even if they don't announce it, they know it. And we won't, but we won't, we won't, we won't learn it. And maybe they won't even learn it until CJ Stroud has to come out of a meaningful game for whatever reason it's because of a shoelace broke or something else. And somebody goes in, which is how we got the clue about CJ Stroud last year. So we won't know that until that moment. If that moment doesn't happen, they can play this however they want to. So that really matters. I mean, your backup quarterback, again, I think for a great team, the backup quarterback is one of the top 10 most important players on the team because if the quarterback's healthy, he's like the 30th most important guy. And as soon as the quarterback's not healthy, he's the most important guy. So that's hugely important. But Nathan, the other thing here is, in the end, now that C.J. Stroud's the starting quarterback, there's no way that they can keep Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers both happy. That to me is the number one impossibility here that if you're trying to do this, well, if CJ, then you wait a year. Okay. You fit like, but Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers as it is now are two five-star quarterbacks in the same class. And they're both at Ohio state and they're both on the same timetable. And Ryan day said, when I asked him Saturday, okay, what do you get? You know, he's like, we'll get through the season. And in January you come up for air and you reassess. So Quinn, whenever it happens, is going to get back in the, is going to not get back in the flow. He hasn't been in the flow hardly at all. He's practiced like two days or whatever. He's going to get in the flow. He's going to start getting reps. They're going to get a feel for what he's like. And then Kyle and Quinn are going to get a feel for each other. And they're going to, they're going to eye the competition. And then what you're going to have to sort of, sort of figure out is, okay, both those guys are going to want to take a run at CJ for 2022, no matter what CJ, CJ could win the Heisman this year. And those guys are going to think I want to take the job from him. But I think you have to figure out, it's sort of like we said with master Teague and Mayan Williams. It's like those two guys are having a competition to figure out who's the compliment to Travion Henderson. Once Henderson comes along, I think you have to figure out like, is it McCord or yours who then makes a run kind of at CJ Stroud. Now it could be a wide open spring. Maybe it's just a wide open spring, but on some level, Nathan, that has crystallized to me now that not that we didn't all know this, but okay. If Kyle McCord is not going to be the starter, how can you keep two five-star quarterbacks in the same class here? It's, it's impossible. So, you know, uh, you will hear people talk about how much they love and Steven, I mean, Nathan, you guys know this, you guys are some of the ones to talk about it. They love Kyle McCord. They love Kyle McCord. But Quinn Ewers is rare, brother. Like, I don't know what to tell, right? I mean, so like, I don't know what they're going to do there, but like, this was step one. And if step one worked out pretty well, Nathan, man, step two, fascinating. Because there's just not a way 
there's, I think there's 0% chance. Would you guys both agree if everybody's healthy, there's 0% chance Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers are both on the team a year from now? I was literally about to ask before I gave my mm-hmm. response. I was going to have you guys say next spring, is this, do you guys think it's a three-man quarterback battle next spring? No, I think it's yes, a two just man- yes or no. No, no. Doug, do you think yes or no? Three man quarterback battle next spring. I next think spring next spring. I might hang on for yes, even though I just said you have to figure out yours and McCord. They I think they both might want to make enough of a run on the field. Let me show you what I can do. And then then they're in Joe Burrow territory that the minute spring ends. Yeah. Give me an answer. Give me an answer. Give me an answer. And that that's maybe that's the cut bait time of you've got to make a choice between McCord and Ewers. And then maybe you take a two man race into August, but McCord and Ewers are not going to let you sit there and, and try to keep it a three man race into the preseason. But, but I think, I think maybe it could still go in the spring, but I also think maybe not. Right. I don't think, I, just, I don't think I, so. No, I, just because I just, the, the Joe Burrow thing is a great example to bring up, but it's like, would you rather spend that extra three months here just to lose a battle? Or would you rather just move on and get going? wherever you're going to be at. Well, here's my point. Number one, I don't know that I'm a thousand percent sure he would lose the battle. Certainly. I don't know. If, really either. Ewers Who do you mean? Or he? McCord. What he are you really yours or McCord? I think head to head against, if, if you give yours, if you give McCord a whole other, you know, a whole several months more to keep maturing and keep learning the offense. And I like, you know, if he's our, if he is, if he was relatively close, it depends on how close we've, we, we, kind of discern how close this battle was. You know what I mean? But the other thing I would say is if I'm Kyle McCord and I want to give it my best shot next spring, like where do we envision that he might go instead? He's not transferring to Clemson. They're okay at quarterback. He's not transferring to Alabama. They're okay at quarterback. So like, where is he going where he wouldn't be the obvious still best first option the day spring practice ended for Ohio State? You know what I mean? Like I still think he's in a great position if he has to go somewhere else to continue his career then he's in a great position to just make that move. I don't think he has to do it this winter. I don't know who Georgia's next quarterback is after JT Daniels, so that's a spot. I would say that I would be more inclined to listen to Kyle McCord stays through the spring if Quinn Ewers hadn't just showed up. Because if if Quinn Ewers doesn't – because here's the deal. I understand. We all think that Quinn Ewers probably might win the job. So I'll I'll speak for myself. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have the job next year, but I'm also not going to be like if CJ just kept it and Quinn just is a would have been a – his backup as a true freshman and then took over in 2023, I'd have been like, okay, fine. He's a sit one start two type of guy, which is pretty normal. While with Kyle McCord, you're asking him to now sit for two years and then maybe not win a battle in 2023. No, he's out of here. But, but, the, but the only thing no, is, no, no, no. But, but, but the question is staying till 2022, Steven, not all the way into the 2022 season. We're just talking about spring of 2022. It's just a matter of, if you stay at Ohio State and fight for the job and don't win the job, can you go still go be someone starting quarterback, somebody else, somewhere else, I'm just saying. like Joe Burrow was. Joe yes. Burrow lost. So if you think, well, I'll take my shot at Ohio State. I can still start for somebody else in the fall. Then I think you could stay. If, if, if you think, no, it helps my chances of starting for someone else in the fall by getting there three months early and going through spring football there, then, then you could go sooner. But we at least have proof. Now, Joe Burrow was older, but we have proof that you can compete for a job in the spring, lose it, and start elsewhere six months later. Mm-hmm. So that's all it is. I don't think any – but I do think – tell me if – and this is – I like, I don't like doing this, but Ohio State has done this to us. So we don't – again, I'm, at some point I'll stop apologizing for analyzing quarterbacks. 
if you're Kyle McCord, I think it's possible you think to yourself, I think I can beat out CJ Stroud a year from now. I'm just not sure I can beat out Quinn Ewers. That like I can beat out the starter. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the third string, right? That And that's not a shot at anybody, but it's about perception, what coaches have said to people, what are expectations for different. And that's that's just a thing. And it's like, I, I need to know who's number two, because if I'm number two, I think I can get number one. But you've got to tell me I'm number two now. Because if you're telling me I'm number two and a half, I think you're going to go with number the other number two and a half. So I can't, I can't stay. But th- this may be naive. I'm just saying that I think uh, th- this may be naive, Buckeye talk. Uh, I'm just saying that I think almost any quarterback because of the destination he'd be going to, I understand that there's something to be said for like getting in a system, learning a system, getting familiarity with receivers, all that stuff. But the competition that we're talking about now, potentially being between Stroud and McCord and Ewers and carrying that all the way through next spring, that probably makes whoever finishes third there is probably a better quarterback coming out of that than they would be going to whatever other school and not having nearly that intensive a competition and not learning from Ryan Day and not going head-to-head with C.J. Stroud and and Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord. I mean, yes, but if Kyle McCord left and enrolled for the winter semester at Penn State and was just like, I'm going to get a jump on Drew Aller and I'm going to work with Mike Yersich and James Franklin, and I'm going to get ready and I'm going to set the big 10 on fire. Cause I've, I've had a full spring at Penn state and a full August, like that works too. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, I could see if Kyle McCord said, well, that that's the path I'm going to take or whatever. So listen, I don't, I don't want to like, we have plenty of time to get there in 2015. This is what we had. We thought we had the craziest three man quarterback competition ever because you had the guy who had been the one-man offense practically for Ohio State for two years, you had the guy who took over for them, for him and led them through the regular season, and you had a postseason national championship-winning playoff hero, all battling for the starting quarterback job. Because at that spring in 2015, Braxton Miller was still healthy. And, and, and you didn't know – well, he wasn't healthy, but you didn't know at, that he was moving to receiver yet. So there was like a long discussion about like, is it, it's a three man race between JT Barrett, Cardale Jones and Braxton Miller. What are they going to do? And then Braxton Miller changed position, but like you had to remove somebody at some point. Right. And they removed Braxton and Braxton removed himself by changing position, but you couldn't take a three man race of three guys that good into August. Cause they took a two man race into August and they still didn't get it right. So you can't take, McCord, Ewers, Stroud, neck and neck, you know, three of the best 10 quarterbacks in the country on the same team. You can't have that in August. Like you can't, I don't think Ryan day would even want that in August, right? As much as Ryan day is like, give me all the quarterbacks that to me, if that's here in August, that's the breaking point of too much talent at quarterback. No. And and then you also think that somebody there is making a bad decision with their career too. Like, why are you still here? No. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah. Because there's two losers there. Yeah, so I don't think I, I don't think that's really imaginable. But I def I see a world where all where all, where those three guys compete next spring. But next spring, but next spring, I saw like Donkey Kong. My God, it's like yeah. it's going to be the greatest quarterback battle we've ever seen. Maybe I mean, I'm secretly rooting for it just because I want to see the spectacle of it. To see I mean, if you're guys. telling me it's like what's the re- what's the battle? It's like oh, there's this guy who finished fourth in the Heisman and two five stars. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like Wait. like CJ Stroud <laughs> is CJ Stroud is. Everything you want a quarterback to be, except 
Quinn Ewers is Trevor Lawrence and Kyle McCord is Aaron Rodgers. And, and it's like, it's set your hair on fire. So, but this is CJ Stroud's moment. And, and the, 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 the thing that I will say, so Steven, like CJ Stroud is a late riser in the recruiting rankings. He's underrated, whatever that means. A little unknown. That's one of those things, again, it's not unfair to call him underrated. It's not like only scouting services were missing on him. It's like Ryan Day didn't know who he was, basically, mm-hmm. until he got to Elite 11. So it's like, all right, and now he's the starting quarterback. So it's because he didn't go to camps. He just he yeah, wasn't this... like in the quarterback factory stuff. But, and maybe this is a uh, an unfair bias on my part or whatever. Maybe I'm just viewing it wrong. There's a part of me that, because he was a late riser in the process, and I think that's fair. It's not just in the in the recruiting ratings. He was a late riser in the process. As you said, he didn't. He went to camps. He didn't get the invite twice. He only got the invite as a last-second fill-in. There's a part of me that's a wonderful story, but there's a part of me that thinks when the going – now we're going. Here we go. Is there something that – if there, if it wasn't that it wasn't only that he wasn't in the quarterback pipeline, he didn't have private quarterback coaches, whatever, that that seems like that was a big part of it. Is it possible there was a, some other component there that is still part of who he is as a player that when it's go time, maybe it won't be 100% perfect? Whereas – if you're built for it, even like Justin Fields was like, I mean, everybody was like, Justin Fields is it. You know, like there wasn't really any, like there's a part of me that lingers for that, Stephen, that, which is maybe unfair. And I, I'm not here to, again, I want it, CJ Stroud deserves all the credit in the world. This is his moment. He had a tougher road than a lot of these other guys. But because he wasn't, he just wasn't like whatever. I see, he, no, he I, I see what you're trying to say. Uh, yes, go ahead. I, just talk for me. So, there is a difference between what Justin was as a late bloomer and what CJ is as a late bloomer. There's late blooming because you're getting the exposure. You're just, people aren't, it's not sticking. People aren't, they're paying attention to somebody else versus you're a late bloomer because you're not focused in on this right now. Justin was focused on baseball. So he wasn't putting all of his energy in the football. And what happened is he started putting all of his energy in the football. And all of a sudden he and Trevor Lawrence are on the same playing field. That's not what CJ's TJ had a normal type of late bloomer situation where physically he wasn't there. He was a 15 year old who looked like a 12 year old for all sense and purposes. He, his arm wasn't on the same level as what DJ's was and what Bryce think about. He's from the same state as those guys and they all live within a 30 mile radius. So that's what he's competing against. So are you going to pay attention to that kid? Are you going to pay attention to the kid who's committed to USC and the other kid who has grown up to be six, Five two fifty, and it's from a family of just giants. Is what DJ's whole family is. His his little brother is a five star defensive end for all sense and purposes, and his name is Mateo. So people weren't paying attention to him. Plus, he didn't win the starting job immediately at Rancho Cucamonga. Is that how you say it? Cucamonga. Yeah. Cucamonga. He didn't win the job. Which Nathan, you wrote that story that he didn't win the job initially there, and so he had to wait his turn a little bit. And the way that Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers and even Jack Miller to an extent haven't, it's because he physically took some time. So is it is it a benefit? Are we thinking of a situation where there's a lot more development that could be had there? And by the time he gets out of there, he's the number one pick in the NFL draft, and he's an All Pro type of guy. Or is it is you 
that he developed late, and now we're just seeing a, a full glass of what he's going to be, and his ceiling isn't what Kyle McCord or what Quinn Ewers is going to be. So he might be amazing this season. He might finish fourth in the Heisman, but that just might be the best he has to offer. Or it could be a preview of what is to come in 2022. Yeah, I, I'm leaving open room that sometimes when it's like he wasn't viewed a certain way for a long time, and maybe there is something in there that was a reason that he wasn't mm-hmm. viewed that way. And that will show up now that he's the starter, not in a way that's bad, but in a way that's, oh, I maybe you could see how Kyle McCord or Quinn Ewers actually might give you a higher ceiling. It's and bad when... We don't know until he plays. Right. It's actually not bad. It's only bad because of the competition that's in his room. If, you know, if these guys weren't here, you'd just live with it. And you'd know that they'd still win the Big Ten and compete for national titles. Yeah. So listen, options are good. Ryan Day wants options. He's happy for options. And if for some reason, it, do, you know, like, do I think CJ Stroud's going to be bad? No, no, I don't think that. But, but I think there's a possibility that he's quite good. But just listen. I mean, I was on the beat when we, you listener, you listener, listening to this right now, you listener and me and me, <laughs> like wanted to bench like the, the leader in every statistical category at Ohio State for a guy with a better arm. Like we all wanted to bench JT Barrett for Dwayne Haskins. So I'm not saying that CJ Stroud and JT Barrett are the same type of player. Cause he's not going to run like JT. And I think, I think CJ is more probably physically gifted than JT was, but also if CJ's not Justin Fields, quite physically gifted, right. If he's in between, I don't know that it would be a terrible comparison. If it's if the possibility that maybe CJ Stroud is kind of like JT Barrett and maybe the guys behind him, are kind of like Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, where you feel like, man, he's good, but I feel like there might be somebody else who can take him to the next level. Not in style, but just in how people view it. Nathan, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And JT was a four-star. JT was a winner. JT was a guy that they picked. They went down and got him. But like JT Barrett versus Justin Fields, like upside, it's not even in the same stratosphere. Yeah, I'm mostly I'm just eager to see because we've only got in like brief glimpses, right? And we've only got a little bit in the spring game. We get a little bit of practice. We still have never seen uh, in a real way CJ Stroud go up against a real Big Ten defense and and see what's up. And I'm I'm eager to see this the season opener just for that for the most part. But I guess I mean you could say you saw that in the spring game, but really it's not the same. And um, I, I and now it's been like another six months since then or four months, how long it's been. We're going to get to see his continued progression. We're going to get to see what this offense though looks like when he's truly in charge of it. I don't think you get that vibe when it, you're rotating reps in a spring game, rotating series in a spring game. This is where this his his talents become part of the identity of this team, and I'm eager to see what that looks like. And some of that, of, well, we've never seen him against the Big Ten defense. Well, we've never seen any of them against the Big Ten. It's, it's more of the – what we have seen from each of them is the competition they came to this school – that they played against before they got here. You know, Kyle McCord played at the prestigious high school in, in, in Philly and uh, St. Joe's. And Jack Miller played at, in, in the state in Arizona at a time when Arizona quarterbacks were kind of really legit out there. I mean, Spencer Rattler is kind of from around the same area. And then we know what Quinn, he's from Texas, and he went to South Lake Carroll and they played in the state championship game last year. C.J. Moore went to a normal high school, and he was just yeah. uh, one of the better athletes that school has seen. And it's just one of those, again, it's what if C.J. Stroud is – kind of like Zach Harrison the last two years. It's like, he's a really good football player, but like, yeah. what if, what if somebody behind him is Chase Young? And then it's like, well, 
it's, I'm not saying it doesn't mean Zach Harris is not a good football player, but if the choice is between Zach Harrison and Chase Young, like it's not a choice. So that's a great, actually, it's a great question. Like if we've talked, cause we've talked a lot about that 2018 defensive line, right? Or 2017 defensive line when, when Chase Young comes in and how he had to wait his turn behind those guys, would he have beaten out some of those guys as a sophomore? If they had come yes. back another year, yeah. so you see he would have played like, ahead of Jalen Holmes. He might have, even though Sam Hubbard was like a third round pick and just got paid in the NFL, uh-huh. like Sam Hubbard's still not Chase Young. Yeah, I think he might have. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I think that's an interesting thing to keep in the back of our minds as we start thinking about next spring. Although, again, we already were thinking about that because Quinn Ewers. Which is, again, which is not to take away from CJ Stroud, but it's hard sometimes at Ohio State, like, you better be Chase Young to guarantee a spot on the field because. This is a place of Chase Young's. Not every position every year, but it's not like once every 50 years you have a Chase Young. It's like there's usually a Chase Young on the roster, and sometimes there's three. So if there's one at your position, being very good isn't enough. And there there might be two Chase Youngs behind the guy who just got named the starting quarterback at Ohio State. So I don't know. And to be fair, honestly, if Kyle McCord had won the job, I I feel like I'd be saying that about CJ and Quinn. Yes. No matter, so it's not a CJ thing. I don't want to make it because I think we've got yeah, some texts that point. make it seem like, oh, we're comparing CJ to the Kelly Bryant gym. No, no, no. What we're saying is there are three legit bona fide superstar quarterbacks in that room right now. One of them that just got here two weeks ago. One of them that just got here eight months ago, and another one that was here a year ago. Your job is not safe regardless of who of, of between Kyle McCord and CJ would have won this job. You're now thinking is the dude where, I mean, CJ is a late bloomer. He might be the next Justin Fields and Quinn Ewers might be the next Trevor Lawrence. So it didn't matter who won the job. We were going to be saying this anyway, but I won't, sh- I won't shy away from the fact that I do view them slightly differently. At least I do. Yeah. And maybe that's wrong, but I'm not going to pretend I don't because Kyle McCord is the guy that Ryan Day picked out like two years ahead of time and said, that's the guy I want in this class. Quinn Ewers is a guy that people have said, I haven't seen a guy throw a ball like that in blank. Mm -hmm. And CJ Stroud was a guy who like Ohio State didn't know who he was the summer entering his senior year of high school. So I am still letting that affect my view of this. And if that's wrong, that's fine. But, but we can't pretend that their paths have been the same. And so that uh, to me, if Quinn, right. When Quinn wins this job, I mean, unless Arch Manning comes I mean, he's not coming here, he's not coming. Yeah. But like, unless like when Quinn Ewers takes over as the starting quarterback, I'm going to like lock the door of the quarterback room and throw away the key and think like, and that guy's your starting quarterback until he leaves. Right. Because like what, not that we haven't seen five stars fail, but like, I don't, I'm not going to be like, uh Oh, there's another great quarterback. Quinn don't look over your shoulders. Be like, no, he's the guy now. And I'm not there with CJ. And, and I think that's not – I don't think that's a – I don't think I'm being un, unfair to C.J. Stroud by viewing it that way. Well, it's hard to view it that way because it's not the, the reality. The reality is they do have the two other guys there. That's – I mean, it, it's that's a harder thing to envision. Like if it was just – I don't even know who else. If it was the situation that Justin Fields had in 2019, we'd feel more like that. If they were sure yeah. of these options, they wouldn't have gone back to back to back to go get quarterbacks. They wouldn't have wouldn't yeah. – if they were sure about Kyle – or Jack, they wouldn't have added CJ. If they were sure about Kyle, Jack, or CJ being okay, they wouldn't have went and got Quinn. That's why you're viewing it that way. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. They're not going to get anybody after Quinn. And they didn't. And even when they got CJ, Kyle stayed. 
It's right. not like they, the, whatever it was, it wasn't like Kyle said like, well, that's it. They love CJ Stroud. They're never going to look at me. I'm out. Like Kyle was like, okay, I still can beat out this guy. So um, anyway, okay. That's the quarterback conversation. Very curious to see how he plays. I'm assuming he's going to play well. Like, like, what does that mean? I, I don't, I don't know. Do I actually think he's going to be fourth in the Heisman? No, I don't. But JT Barrett finished fifth in the Heisman as a, a second year quarterback for a team that won the national championship. So who knows? Good luck to CJ Stroud. Earned it. Fought. Again, done everything right and incredibly skilled. Incredibly skilled. I think as a thrower, an easy thrower. And Ryan Day has liked the way he's run the offense and made decisions. And that's why he's the starting quarterback. All right. We're going to talk about captains and the defense and the bullet. When we come back on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315 for the texts. The captain thing I think is nominally interesting. When a guy's an obvious captain, I'm not that interested. And I think I would call at least four of the captains obvious. Chris Olave, obvious. Thayer Munford, obvious. Haskell Garrett, obvious. Zach Harrison, the way they've talked about him this year, pretty obvious. Nathan, to Roger Mitchell at linebacker, the guy felt like a leader for two years. He just never got on the field. So the fact that he's like the surest thing in the linebacker room, I'm not surprised by that. And then clearly Cameron Babb as a guy who's been injured his whole career, that is a surprise. But part of the other thing that's interesting to me is like, well, who wasn't a captain? And I think we had thought maybe Master Teague is like a leader in the running back room. Maybe Jeremy Ruckert, he's been a lo- around a long time. You know, I, I don't know that there was anybody else I was surprised about, but you know, I don't think we need to spend much time on like Haskell Garrett's a captain. It's like, of course, Russell Haskell Garrett's captain. What did you think specifically about, I guess, about Mitchell, Bab, and then anybody who's not one of the six? I, I don't always like to read too much into who's not one of the six. Um, again, this comes from a player's vote, and I don't think necessarily Jeremy Ruckert not getting that vote means something bad about Jeremy Ruckert, certainly, or, or certainly Master Teague. And that might be a situation where I think it's. A, usually take something a little bit more special to get that prior to your senior year. So that's why maybe you're seeing it from Zach Harrison, but you wouldn't necessarily see it from Teague plus Teague being hurt. I don't know if that factored into hit, although obviously Cameron Babb being hurt, but I think he was, you know, that was the interesting ones. I mean, Babb showing what he has shown it, it, it's it, to me, it's similar to like when CJ Saunders was a captain a little bit, like I know he was a, a walk on and, and Babb is a scholarship player. That's a difference. And, and actually Saunders has gotten to play even more than Bab did, which isn't saying much, but a similar thing to me, just rewarding that kind of perseverance. The Mitchell thing I think is the one that could be important though, because I think, like you said, we've all seen those things behind the scenes from him or heard some of those things that he had that kind of makeup. We even heard earlier this preseason camp, he was singled out by one of the coaches. It might've been, might've been Ryan day singled out for like becoming a vocal leader and, those guys have to play those guys who are your most inspirational players. And the guys who really guys have to play, they have to go out on the field and do good things. I think for you to truly capitalize on those qualities. So now, I mean, he's the one that Ryan day today, we was kind of um, people trying to pin him down on positions and Mitchell's the one linebacker that Ryan day says is definitely going to be on the field when the season opens September 2nd at Minnesota. I think that's where they're, potential real repercussions like if he shows up and plays in addition to these like intangibles that people feel about him that can pay dividends so roger mitchell was not shocking after we talked to the linebackers because every single player even got washington all went out of their way to say that to mitchell is our leader 
period. Yep. He we follow him. So after that conversation, I wasn't shocked there. I, I, the Cam Bab thing, I think, even he, it's more than CJ Saunders because he should be playing right now. He was a number seventy three player in the country. That's a top one hundred wide receiver who, for all intents and purposes, coming out of high school, you probably would have expected that he would have had an impact had he not had an injury. This is not a situation where, oh, he's a guy who is injured, but you would have been buried at the bottom of the death chart anyway. No, this guy, if you looked at him and you looked at Chris Olave right now and you got them in here on signing day and said, this is how one player's career is going to go and this is how the other player's career is going to go outside of injuries. Just one's going to play a whole lot and end up being the best wide receiver in the country and the other one's going to be buried at the bottom of the death chart. Who is who? Cam Babbis would be Chris Olave. You would think he would have that path more than what Chris Olave has had. So the fact that he's still here, the fact that he's still trying to play football, still trying to have an impact on this team, I think when you first hear it, it's like, man, it's good. To, it's it's interesting that Seth, that's how they view them in this locker room, but it's actually not that crazy that they view him that way when you've had four ACLs and you're still here. I do think it almost feel. I do think they've had like bench captains. In the past, there's like mm-hmm. a thing like Kenny Guyton as the backup quarterback was a captain. We made a big deal out of it then. Joe Berger as a walk on linebacker who was like a big special teams guy was a captain. CJ Saunders, as mentioned previously, was a walk on who was a captain. I sort of like like a bench captain who's like, listen, the guy's like not going to play that much or is not going to be a starter. One of the t- one through 22 starters, but like he's important, right? He's big in the weight room. He's big in the locker room. It's just different because it's not a walk on. It's not a guy who was Kenny Guyton's, you know, a last second desperation recruit. This guy's a major dude, but, and I, and again, I, like, I feel like I'm putting it. I want to talk about, I'm in my own head about podcasting for a moment. Cause I've been listening to some podcasts that I like the podcast and people come on the podcast and they mansplain and talk the podcast to death to death. And it makes me hate the podcast episode. And then I think to myself, dear God, am I doing that? And I, and I know I do it sometimes. So I'm trying not to mansplain to you. I think I'm better ranting than I am trying to explain things. But to your point, Stephen, the thing that's different is this guy was a big time recruit. But honestly, like he has four ACL injuries. He's a bench guy now. Like, I don't yeah. think this is going to be a miraculous thing where Cam Babs could have 70 catches for them next year. Now, the Johnny Dixon story leaves the door cracked because Johnny Dixon's body betrayed him. And everybody thought he was going to transfer or retire. And then Johnny Dixon, like, stuck around, stuck around, stuck around, stuck around, and had a pretty darn big role on the offense in 2018. So that door is cracked. But I do think, in the end, where he is now, Cam Babb is like C.J. Saunders and Kenny Guyton because, like, he, he just isn't going to play, but he's going to play a role. And I, and I think, I mean, it's, and again, it's all credit to Cameron Babb because when you're an underdog the whole time, you know, Kenny Guyton was a miracle that he was here. Joe Berger and C.J. Saunders, they're just trying to get on the field doing anything. And like Cameron Babb, Chris Olave took Cameron Babb's career. So when you have that taken away from you through no fault of your own, your body betrays you through no fault of your own, and you stick around and do it, oh, my gosh, unbelievable story. But he's the bench captain at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Because even I like the giant Dixon comparison, but even with that, we had seen it. You know, John Dixon had eight touchdown catches and 18 catches in 2017. So we'd at least seen, okay, if he gets healthy, he can do it. Marshawn Latimer, if he gets healthy, he can do it. We have no idea. (laughs) Well, he played, what, 13 snaps last year, and they were all on special teams? We have no idea. Right. At all. But I will say, if you, like, follow his Instagram or see him on the Ohio State football Instagram, 
that dude is jacked. Oh my God. He looks like he's cut out of granite. Holy moly. He looks like the, I mean, he looks like the rock or something. I'm like, he, he is like his body fat must be like 1.5%. So the guy, like you can tell, you can tell that Cam Babb is like an athlete. If his knees would work, would stay together. <laughs> he must be, he must kill it in the weight room. And that's the kind of thing that like, so like all congratulations for him, but like Nathan, we didn't see that. I mean, I don't, we didn't see that coming. We thought, we thought, well, there's a chance you could have two receive. If you said, oh, there's going to be two receivers who are captains. But like, okay, well, they got, they gave it to Garrett too. It's like, nope, this other guy. So all credit to Cam Bath. Okay. Those are your captains. Let's talk defense. I'm no longer afraid of the B word. On Monday, Welcome. August 23rd, Doug Maurice for the first time in his life, embraced the B word. The bullets themselves made me like the bullets. Because now, now, I, Nathan, I think it's possible that Craig Young, Roddy Hickman, Court Williams, I think maybe Bullet has the greatest depth of talent of any position on the team, I guess outside the receiver room. But it feels like they've got three dudes and... I just bought a new bus. I didn't even get it used. I'm making payments new because I think maybe one of you guys had him, but I'm going to get my own separate bus anyway. And I'm painting, I'm putting it on. Could I, could I love somebody more than I loved Craig young after talking to him on Monday? Oh my gosh. Does Craig young have that exact balance of like humbleness, ego, belief in himself, Work ethic, and then like ridiculous. Oh, you're six four, and you run like a, a low four four forty. Cool. Can I be your friend? That was like I I did. I like walked with Craig Young after the interviews, and I didn't exactly say, "Can we be friends?" But that was did the impression him, that I, I have left your with body. <laughs> I he I like have your body. He he is like, whoo, but I am in on like the whole Craig Young package, like the way he handles himself the way he talks about his adaptation to the position, what he's going to do at bullet. And then like Ronnie, and they are like in a great place. Ronnie Hickman is saying great stuff about Craig young. Mm-hmm. Craig young is saying great stuff about Ronnie Hickman. I think they're both saying that court Williams, when he gets his shot is going to blow the doors off the place. Like Nathan, like I, I apologize for being ignorant about the bullet in the past, but it's the coach's fault because it's, It's Greg Madison's fault that nobody could ever explain. Well, what are you trying? I mean, I knew it. I knew what they were trying to do. I just never saw it. It's like, it's just Pete Warner. It's just, it's just Pete Warner. What is it? It's just Pete. And now I get it. It's a mix of Court Williams, Craig Young, and Ronnie Hickman. And I'm in, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's just, what if you took Pete Werner and then found an even better athlete and put him at that position and let him do all the Pete Werner things, but just maybe in a better way? Like, that's what they've been striving for, I think, for a long time. Uh, in your text that you sent out to our subscribers, 614-350-3315, you said that he invoked um, Isaiah, Simmons. Know, Isaiah Simmons' name in that. Yeah, Clemson. Uh, former Clemson player Isaiah Simmons' <laughs> name in that. I think I was – wasn't I the one who drove the, the Craig Young bus? I can't remember. I was trying to find the notes. I can't remember. I, I, I know I brought him we, up. The minute we do a podcast, it falls completely out of my Yeah. And but I, I do think have. someone had him. 
I usually have notes for that sort of thing. I know that I brought him up either as a guy that I picked or the guy that I was going to pick. And, and I didn't actually get to go talk to him today because I was over talking to court Williams and Josh Proctor at the same time that he was up there, but like just looking at him over there, you're like, Oh man, that look, I mean, just the, the, the physically, um, it's impressive. And when he starts talking about running those kinds of numbers, I mean, when we talked to Matt Barnes today, you know, people are like really, I think, hungry for some kind of schematic change after last season and the way things went against Alabama in the national championship game. And I think Ohio State has realized that it doesn't necessarily have to change things schematically. I guess you can argue whether the bullet changes things dramatically, dramatically, schematically, but it's about getting better athletes on the field, getting more speed on the field. And I think they absolutely do that when you start talking about those guys at, at bullet. This is a, it's not a change schematically. It's just a change in personnel. And uh, I mean, last year they had to play four linebackers against Alabama because those were their four most experienced guys on defense in the back seven. So we're not going to see that anymore. I, I said it in a video that we did after. So we'll go to our YouTube channel and check that out as well. It's you have an answer for everything because you have a body type for everything. Whether, whether you're talking about the bullet where you've got Ronnie Hickman, who is clearly a safety who can now do linebacker things. Craig Young, who's a linebacker, who can do safety things. Court Williams, who's a, a beautiful mixture of both, along with, he can, I mean, he's a great, well-spoken guy. Or you're talking about cover safety, where Lathan Ransom is a free safety, safety turned into a strong safety. You've got Cam Martinez, who is maybe a little bit more of a shorter guy, but your prototypical slot corner. And then Marcus Williamson, who's kind of the experienced guy who's in between that. You just have an answer for every type of body type you might see from, from an offense. So there is a word that, and maybe I'm too swayed. Should we be swayed by talking to guys or is that the whole, I sometimes say that I get confused. That's like, it's like 65% well, of our job. It's, it's like, well, just because a guy talked to me doesn't mean that I should have an entirely new view of the defense, except I guess I was gathering information. And as I gathered the information, my view changed and, cl- and crystallized and clarified. So actually, I guess that's how this is supposed to work. But I don't want to be like, oh, I don't know if the defense is going to be very good. And then be like, Craig Young was nice to me for eight minutes. And now I like this defense. But that's kind of where I am. But the word, and I'm going to help people, I'm going to make some 2014 comparisons. Because I'm just get, we can just call them these names. I'm going to rename these positions. I'm going to call one the Vaughn and I'm going to call one the Darren. Because if you watched 2014 and 2015, you knew what was up. And there is a photo, and I wrote about it. There would be times when Joey Bosa had his hand down on an edge. Darren Lee was like the linebacker depth behind him, like at an angle. And then like angled out from him was Vaughn Bell. And if I was a quarterback and I was looking at that, I would look at that side of the field and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that because all three of those guys might rip my arms off and they all can run. They all can beat me with power. They're all technique sound. And Joey Bosa, Darren Lee, Vaughn Bell to me is the epitome of an attacking defense. And I thought last year, probably at Nathan, I don't know that we would use the word attacking to describe that Ohio State defense. And that applies across the board because even like the guys who were good, tough Borland, not really an attacking player to me, right? Like the way like the secondary played last year, show me the guys who were really like on the attack. It's like, well, I think Josh Proctor and Marcus Williamson and Sean Wade and everybody, they were trying to keep guys from making big plays. I'm not sure they were scaring offenses and attacking them. Now, Sean Wade made a great pick six against Indiana. That was on the attack. And even, and again, I know Coop had a sack and a strip sack against Denver and people are in on Coop, 
Jonathan Cooper wasn't on the attack the way Chase Young or Joey Bosa is on the attack. Like that guy's lined up over there. I'm afraid. I think there were guys that you respected on that defense. I don't know that there were guys that you feared if you were an Ohio State opponent. Um, Werner actually might have been. He's the one. He's the one. I thought of all the guys, I thought Pete Werner would attack you because if you tried to run wide, Pete Werner would get out there and, and chase you down like you're an antelope and he's a lion and he's chasing you down the open field. Pete Warner would do that. But if you, if you lined up, line up the attacking defensive players, I'd go Pete Warner one. And then I'm not sure where to go. Uh, maybe Togi. I mean, and like in Browning in the right circumstances, but that wasn't really well, but like they, they never exactly team. used in the right way. Right. I think yeah, Dan Browning but, had the ability to be an attacking player, but did they let him do that? But and even with point, Pete Warner, it was never, you know, in the moment you, we all kept going. Really? Pete Warner's the guy who's in this position. It wasn't until he literally got drafted that we all went, oh, maybe we need to like recalibrate how we looked at his entire career. Well, no, I, I, I never figured out Pete Warner. That's my bad. But yeah, go ahead, Nathan. I was just say, I think you hit on something earlier in this segment, though, which is I don't think you should be swayed just because Craig Young was nice to you. But I think what we're starting to see over the course of this camp from talking to players, I actually don't really care what that player says to me about themselves. I care more about what the other players are saying and what you're starting to hear more and more. And I guess maybe we hear it every year. So it's it, you got to be careful to what you what is just preseason enthusiasm and what's real. But you start. What was the. At the end of the day, what was the diagnosis last season? They just didn't have enough good defensive players. They just did not have enough players who were ready to play good defense in the Big Ten and especially at the playoff level. Like, they just didn't have them. And especially once COVID got involved, then they were really in trouble. And now you're starting to feel like they actually have more players who are potential front-end Big Ten players. I'm still a little bit – I still have some skepticism how many of them get there this year. Like it may still be more of a transitional year. I don't see this like fluctuating all the way back up to being like a top five defense overall or whatever, like they were just a couple years ago. But I don't certainly don't see them being down in like the 120s again as a pass defense. I see this team being more up in like that 30, 40 range, whereas we've seen plenty of teams, including LSU and Alabama last couple of years, like you can live in that range and have tremendous success when you've got this kind of offense. I see them pushing back towards that realm. And it's going to be because the last year it felt a lot like um, it reminds me like in Hoosiers when the guy fouls out and Gene Hackman's like, well, that my team's on the floor. Like I'm not putting anybody else in. I kind of felt like that's what Kerry Combs and Ryan Day were doing a little bit last year. It was just like, listen, our team's on the field. And I know that guy got smoked, but what do you want me to do? I can't put this other guy in. Like he doesn't know what's going on yet. At least this guy knows how bad he screwed up, even if he couldn't do anything about it. Okay. We'll take a quick break, come back, finish up our discussion on what we learned about this defense next on Buckeye Talk. So here's when I think of an attacking defense and it, and it really is about the players because, and we'll get into what we tried to ask Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes, not quite at the self-confidence level of being able to talk about his players without worrying that he might accidentally say something that'll have the head coach yell at him. So Matt Barnes, <laughs> not super helpful <laughs> on Monday. And that's just real. Like everybody gets different, you know, in your progression as an assistant coach, that's part of it where, Listen, I'm going to talk about my guys. I'm not giving secrets away, but I'm talking about my guys. I mean, you know who's going to play. I could talk, but I could talk about Craig Young and I could talk about Lathan Ransom and I don't have to generalize every question. So Zach Harrison, I think, will be an attacking player. Tyreek Smith, I think, could be probably an attacking player. I think we think Haskell Garrett 
right? I mean, and I like last year, it's like how much you get to attack on the defensive line. Togi, I did have the three sacks against Penn State, but Haskell Garrett's in there. He can attack you. And maybe Teron Vincent there too. But there's a couple guys who I think will attack more on the defensive line than a year ago. I think Taraja Mitchell can be an attacking player. I think the linebackers, just the last couple of years, that's what we missed. Ryan Shazier is an attacking player, right? I think Warner was pretty decently, but I think I, I could see Taraja Mitchell being that. I think that bullet, Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, can be that kind of player. I think the cover safety, I think Lathan Ransom will get after you. And if you're not careful, he's going to do something to you. I think Cam Martinez might do that. I don't know exactly how the outside corners are going to work, but I do think Josh Proctor in the back end, they've made it very clear. Matt Barnes explaining this. Listen, man, we didn't know how these safeties were going to fit together. We didn't know how good of a cover player Lathan Ransom was going to be. We thought Lathan Ransom was a deep guy. And a year ago, we were trying to figure out maybe Lathan Ransom's the deep guy and Josh Proctor's the cover safety because kind of feels like Josh Proctor could be an attack guy. But Josh Proctor went from 185 to 200, and now he's got to be Jordan Fuller or Tyvis Powell. He's that last line solid dude. You don't need that. You almost don't want that guy to attack, right? When it's Malik Hooker, Malik Hooker, you're afraid to throw the ball because he's going to go get it. He doesn't have to be Malik Hooker. He doesn't have to be on the attack. He just has to make sure he's the last line of defense. So I think it's fine if Josh Proctor is Jordan Fuller or Tyvis Powell. That's great. But you let Lathan Ransom loose, you let Craig Young loose, you let Zach Harrison loose, you let Taraja Mitchell loose, and all of a sudden, it's not schematic because, as we said, Matt Barnes, I mean, it doesn't feel like they're going to play a bunch of too high safety. It's going to be single high safety. But we had Deontay Lee on this podcast two years ago, and he was talking about he's gone off to great things. I just he's he's really good. He's at PFF. Get the Buckeye talk bump. He did. Yeah. Actually, we were just lucky to catch him on the way up. He, this, we had no effect on his career because he's good. But he was talking about how a lot of teams have played three safeties, and Ohio State played one. And that was because at the time, they really were kind of playing a corner at that slot spot, and they were playing three linebackers, so they're playing one safety. And, Stephen, you've been making this point today. Three safeties is a thing that lots of teams do now. And we would have said before Ohio State was a one-safety team. Not even really two, but now they can probably, I mean, they're doing today. We, when they, when we talk to the quote safeties on Monday, we talked to bullets, cover safeties and deep safeties. That's three different starting spots on this defense. All of a sudden they haven't changed a ton schematically, but I think you might call them a three safety defense now with the way that without changing how they line up, I think they changed, to your point, Nathan, some of the guys and the body types and the styles and the skill sets they're lining up with. And that in and of itself is a schematic adjustment of the defense without changing the alignment of the defense, which is normally what we think about when we talk about scheme. Nathan, go ahead first. I just want to make a quick point and and Stephen can respond, but I, I don't want, and I'm not, you know, Deontay Lee, I'm not arguing with him, but look at that 2019 defense again. And it's Jordan Fuller, obviously a free safety Pete Werner, who now we're calling essentially the grandfather of the bullet, who was, Mm -hmm. you could call him a safety in that way. And Sean Wade, who, okay. Call him a slot cornerback all day, but he certainly played that position a lot like a safety and is probably going to be a safety in the NFL. So it sort of was three safeties, even when it wasn't three safeties. You're leading me into my point because I think, I mean, Sean did spend some time with the safeties in 2018, the year before. So it's not crazy that he's the guy who ended up in that spot. I think what I, I remember that being a discussion when I, when I was first starting that I think you even had um, 
his his dad on the show to, and talked about him whether he was a corner or safety right Doug mm-hmm. like I remember that Randy come then, on the show but then having he, that discussion he was dying to get out to play an outside corner like Bingo. He yeah yeah because he, he was a corner yeah. so like I don't he came here to play corner he's the number two corner in the country I'm just saying what he actually <laughs> did there I think what we're seeing here is what this defense was always going to be. It's just we're in year three of Ryan Day where he's at two recruiting classes to actually like put the personnel in those positions. In 2019, if you really think about it, I mean, they, they said it all spring. We're going to keep things simple and just let guys run a straight line and see ball, get ball. Why? Because you have Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Malik Harrison, Jordan Fuller, Damon Arnett, Sean Wade, and such and such all down the line. You can just do that. And then last year, they lost that influx of talent, but also had a weird year. So you had to keep things simple when you probably, if they'd have had a normal year, wouldn't have. You would have seen more of this last year. Now, this 2019 recruiting class, Greg Young and Ronnie Hickman, are in year three and have gone through the necessary development to play this position. And while you also have Court Williams in year two, even though last year was taken from him, and you've got all these guys in the secondary who have at least a little small amount of development that you can actually put this onto the field now, while in 2019 and even 2020, you were trying to deploy it while also not using fully what your personnel was as a head coach. Let let me say this. I think this is right. I think if you watch practice, if you'd watch practice in – 2018 or 2019, I think Sean Wade was with the corners and Pete Warner was with the linebackers Mm -hmm. and the safety group was the deep safeties. And if you watch practice now, Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams, Lathan Ransom are all with the safeties. Mm -hmm. So it's things that you're training to do. And are you training to turn your hip backpedal, turn your hips and run in man coverage as a corner? Are you spending a bunch of time in practice on run fits and playing in the box? Or are you doing safety stuff where you're playing in space and you're doing a little bit of all that stuff? And again, Matt Barnes is not, will not. And, and it's clearly some of the guys I asked some of the guys, like, are you, I think I asked Ronnie Hickman, are you with the safeties or linebacker? He's like, I'm not talking about that. It's like, okay, you're doing a very good job. I'll ask other people. And Craig Young was like, I don't do anything with the linebackers. I'm with the safeties. I do a little linebacker stuff like on my own time to double check my run fits and stuff like this, but they are safeties. And that does matter to me because the, the semantics don't matter. The, what you're trained to do and what your skill sets are, and then how they deploy you on the field, the names, Nathan do tell us some things about that. So I do think, while I think you're right there, you know, if we were doing a, like a bug collection, one time I did a bug. This is why I hate butterflies, by the way. You guys know I hate butterflies. Can't I haven't talked about this. it for a while. I'm a, I'm, a scared of, I'm a scared of butterflies because butterflies, they trick you with their beauty and then they get you. So that's why I hate them. But okay. I was I still a legitimate. Are you under the impression that people are getting murdered by butterflies? No, but, they'll, but they get you. They'll what, do you hate, you. what do you hate more, robots they'll or do, butterflies? I probably hate butterflies you? more. They walk their legs. I hate I hate bug legs. But like I like spiders because spiders eat Mm-mm. butterflies. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh I don't. I, I don't even like killing spiders. I, no, no. I can't do it. But spiders, I, spiders serve a purpose. They eat. I don't want flies around. I want spiders like they're on my side. They're mm-hmm. anti-bug. So nobody should me. have that many legs. I just know. An enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's me and spiders. So I want if I see a butterfly in a spider web, I'm like, yes. There's a butterfly caught in the spiders. That's a sting song. 
But so I do a bug collection. I'm a job of a generation. You are still are Nathan. You're a generation where you did a live, like a live bug collection, seventh grade science, right? Aren't you? Oh yeah. You that generation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I catch, you got to catch a butterfly and you got to put it in a jar with formaldehyde to kill the butterfly. So you can then stab it and stick it to styrofoam and take it in and get a grade for it. Human beings, baby. This is why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I put the I put the butterfly in the jar for a day, take it out, stab it into the styrofoam. The butterfly starts going, moving its wings. It's not dead. It's been formaldehyded for 24 hours and stabbed into styrofoam, and it's alive. And that butterfly, I know, I'm freaking out. I'm like 13. I'm freaking out that I am. I'm, I'm literally torturing a butterfly. So that's why I hate butterflies. So basically, you hate who's, butterflies. Who's the butterfly here, Ronnie Hickman. I don't. So my on, point. I, I was wondering. The moral of the story is you tried to kill a butterfly, and it you know fought for its life, and now you yeah. hate butterflies no, because afraid, it yeah. fought for its life. Yeah, I'm. I hate them because I'm afraid of them. But I don't want. I don't want. I don't like feet. I don't like animal feet. Tiny animal feet. But like spiders with the big long legs, I'm good with. But butterflies, if you rip the, if you would take the wings off a butterfly, it would just be an awful scaly thing. So don't get tricked. Here's the thing: like in a chart, right, with the genus and the species and all the stuff. If we were doing like a bug chart and connecting things, you could connect. Pete Werner is in the same genus as Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman, and Sean Wade is in the same genus as Lathan Ransom. And Cam Martinez and Marcus Williamson, but yet they're also different, right? So they're same family or whatever, but they're not the exact same species. So I do think there's obviously a connection there. But back in 2014, they played four down linemen, three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. But you know who was out in space doing stuff a lot and covering dudes and blitzing and stopping the run and blowing stuff up and being dangerous? Vaughn Bell and Darren Lee. And I don't know what you would call them now, but if if the bullet is a Darren Lee and the cover safety is a Vaughn Bell, I'm in. And like, I think athletically, right, from a danger zone, I'm like Darren Lee and Vaughn Bell are just dangerous defensive players that put an offense back on its heels. And Nathan, whatever we're calling them, there are just more guys, I think, because you can't just change the scheme. We've, we've been wondering, are they going to change the scheme? The defense last year wasn't good enough, but that's not it. It's tweak. I can't remember what Barnes said today. I think he was talking about, does it concept a lot? He didn't say the word. Yeah. Scheme. He was about they're, not concept. Teaching, they're not teaching schemes. You're not teaching positions. We're teaching concepts. So if they're, they have concepts, they have a base way of lining up. They have multiple dudes with multiple skill sets and they have concepts, but I think there are guys who can attack within those concepts, Nathan. And that's what I feel better about because Taraja Mitchell wasn't on the field last year. Craig Young wasn't on the field last year. Ronnie Hickman wasn't on the field last year. Lathan Ransom wasn't on the field last year. Cam Martinez wasn't on the field last year. And if those guys are going to be on the field now, I like where they're going. Right. Yeah. I think, again, it's just a matter of – we take them at their word that some of those guys just weren't ready last year. And I think it's easy to imagine that they weren't ready last year, but they have to be this year. That's been the discussion all along is like, okay, depth is one thing. And that was the thing that Ryan day was asked about today. 
like he keeps talking about, you know, I like the, the depth in the secondary. I think it was Dan Hope that followed up and it's like, okay, well, like, great, you've got depth. But like, what about guys who are actually going to play? Like, what about the frontline guys who are actually going to be out there? And he said that that is still like they they think that there is some of that, but that that's something that still has to be hashed out here in these next tw- 10 to 12 days, I think, before the season is which of how many of those guys are game ready for the season opener. And then I think that's a different conversation probably between which guys are game ready by week six and which guys are game ready, game ready by Michigan. But you definitely see a, a, a different um, optimism about more athletes showing through than you had a year ago at this time, where we were talking about guys like Marcus Williamson being the slot starting slot corner and saying, I guess that makes sense. Cause who else is there? Right. And then Josh Proctor, if Josh Proctor, just, just just tell Josh Proctor to be Jordan Fuller. He puts on 15 pounds. You don't have to be Malik Hooker. We're not necessarily worried about you covering sideline to sideline. But if a guy breaks out, you have to tackle him. Whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a running back, whether it's a tight end or a receiver on the move, if he gets to you, you do not have a choice. You have to tackle him. And Steven, last year at this time, or during the season, we're saying, well, is Josh Proctor up? Is he back? Mm -hmm. Is he a playmaker? Is he solid? What is he? And Ryan Day was talking about like how far Josh Proctor has come. He's changed his body. And if and it feels like that's what they're asking him to do. And he's better positioned to do that than a year ago. When I think he was probably trying to figure out what do they want me to be? And again, they were trying, it felt like they were trying to ask him to be two different things. And, and now they've, they figured out what they're asking him to do. And it feels like he has a better chance of being able to do it. Yeah, first thing, I, when I walked over to him, I just went, Josh, do you feel like, you, have you finally found a home at free safety? And he's like, yeah, it seems like he's not repped anywhere else but free safety. While last year, it seemed like we all thought that would be the case. And then all of a sudden, he's repping at strong safety, whatever, cover safety, whatever, whatever he was last year. The proctor, we're just going to call it that. Um, it seems like he's locked in at one position. And so because he's locked in at one position, it feels like last year it was, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm just going to go be aggressive and go make a play. And you can't be like that and be as free safety in an off in a defense where you're the only guy back there. You can't be, I'm just going to go make a play. You have to be, as you said, Doug, a lot more like Jordan Fuller. Well, since he's had nine months to just be Jordan Fuller, he's maybe a little bit more experienced in that role, a little bit more calmer. He's not, he's not maybe as boom or bust as he's been, mm-hmm. but then also he's just physically better, looks better because he's put on 15 pounds. So he's more equipped to play that role then he, maybe he would have been last year where it's like, okay, on this position, he's getting the pick, but on this position, he's giving up a 70-yard bomb. I mean, I think among the questions that will determine how good Ohio State's defense is this year is, is Josh Proctor a good football player or is he a good free safety? We know he's a good football player. We have to find out if he's a good free safety. It's a question I pose to him. It's a question I pose to Ryan Day, and I'm going to have that on the site for probably Wednesday morning. So again, just as so you guys know, listening to this, as we continue to talk about this, this is how we're going to talk about it, to be clear. The deep safety, the free safety, that's the one guy who's back. That's Josh Proctor. It might be Bryson Shaw. It might be Marcus Hooker. You're familiar with that. That's how that works. The bullet, I think, is part of their base defense. I tried to ask people, are you going to have a bullet on the field most of the time? Everybody's afraid of specifics, but I think the answer is yes. If they play Iowa or Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, maybe even against Minnesota, like a run-heavy team or whatever, maybe that will tweak a little bit. But I think against a typical college offense, the bullet is the base. We're going to call it the bullet. It is a linebacker-safety hybrid, and those options are Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, and Court Williams. And then the, the, the guy who is over the slot receiver – Maybe in man, maybe in a zone look, 
but has coverage responsibilities, also responsible for some run fits, also going to blitz. The thing that we saw Sean Wade do in 2019, but not last year, that is, we're going to call it cover safety. As we said at the top, that's what everybody calls it. And that is Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez, and Marcus Williamson. And while Lathan Ransom and Cam Martinez kind of came from very different places, they're not really, I don't think, going to be asked to do anything different in that role. And they're going to be mostly interchangeable. And that's how we're going to talk about this defense from now on. The semantics aren't the most important thing, but this is a talking podcast. So what the words we use matter. So we just want to try to be clear. That's how we're going to talk about this defense from here on out. And I and I just I just begged, Matt, please, Matt, can you just make sure that we're we're call we don't we don't want to call you guys, you know, the Ohio Northern Nut Eyes, like with the words you're the Ohio State Buckeyes. What's the right word? So that's what we're doing. Last thing I want to cover, Nathan. This is just a kind of how you handle your team kind of thing. There was a time when I think most of us assumed that Marcus Hooker, Ohio State's career, his Marcus Hooker's Ohio State career was over. It is not over. He is back. Ryan Day said he is on a zero tolerance policy, like he cannot make another mistake about anything. But he is back fully as a member of the Ohio State football team. And what do you think of that? Well, I mean, we've known it for a while now. And the way that Ryan Day talked about it the first time he was asked when he I think it was back at Big Ten Media Days when he confirmed that that Marcus Hooker was still part of the program. You could definitely see that there was some um, empathy for whatever personal problems Marcus Hooker had, that this wasn't, you know, to contrast it with some other things where players were disassociated with the program under Ryan Day. This wasn't an infraction against someone in the same way, although it easily could have been just the nature of his, you know, the drunk driving situation. So um, you could you see some some uh, responsibility that it seemed that Ryan Day felt that when you take these guys under your wing um, and promise their families that you're going to look out for them and help them, that you can't just cast them aside. I think when it's multiple infractions, that starts to get dicey. You know, plenty of people who out there who you know live by a policy that I think is fair, which is, you know, I'll, I'll give you a second chance, but I can't give you a third chance. And I think it would have been completely within Ryan Day's rights to, to do that here. Because every time, you know, every time one of those things happens, we have to write about Ohio State football player X did this. It, it does reflect on the whole program, fairly or not. So uh, was I surprised initially that he kept him? Yes. Uh, I don't know what role, if any, he'll really have this year. It might be mostly on special teams. We don't think he's better than Josh Proctor. We were even surprised a little bit that he got that opportunity last year. Um, and I think Ohio State probably better hope that, that Josh Proctor shows that he's he's better. Uh, but uh, it does, I guess, send a message to the rest of the team that, um, you know, up to a point, at least, that they've got your back and are, are going to stand by you and help you through personal problems. I mean, the only logic behind it is you can't really help him if he's not in the building. Yeah, no, I think it's it's uh, it's a very difficult line, I think, at times for programs to walk. But I do think, actually, the fact that does it feel like he's the third string deep safety that Bryson Shaw is probably actually up second behind Josh Proctor at this point? Maybe? I have not heard a coach or another player really talk about Marcus Hooker playing this preseason. Yeah, I asked uh, Josh before I walked up to go talk to Lathan, like who was behind him in, in the order. I mean, he just was naming, naming people, but he said Bryson Shaw first. 
or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. Ryan Day said Bryson Shaw first, too. I think that's a, probably a fair assumption. Just I, I think that's a so when the player, it's like Ohio State's fine without Marcus Hooker. So it sort of removes it like, oh, well, they're just, they're just keeping him around because they want to win. And it's like Marcus Hooker is not actually, no offense to him, that important for Ohio I mean, State trying to win games this year, which allows you to say, well, they're just trying to give a guy the benefit of the doubt, like for his own good. And as Steven said, you keep him in the program to try to help him because if you cut him loose, that's it. So, I mean, if he was a first team all American, it's like, Oh, well, obviously what's, and that's just, that's not the case here. Ryan day alluded to the fact that he had had to like do some things to get back in good graces and probably just do some things for himself. And he didn't get specific about that was, but when he talked about it previously, he said that, I guess, I mean, the other thing to remember too, relative to Bryson Shaw is, uh, Marcus Zucker didn't have a great year last year and then missed the whole spring because of this infraction. Mm-hmm. Right. So he should be behind by now, right now. All right. I think so. Wednesday, we're going to do sort of what we expect from the Ohio State defense, all right, from the Ohio State offense. We'll kind of spell it out. We might have some specific things that we zero in on. And maybe we'll do the same for the defense just to make sure. I mean, that was kind of a good comprehensive look, but we're going to talk to Kerry Combs next Monday. I don't know. We might have a chance to really dig in on the defense. So just so you guys know, this is the Tuesday podcast. Wednesday, we're going to dig into the offense. Wednesday night will be the last time we talk to a position group. We haven't talked to the receivers yet. So they are, Ohio State starts practice or starts classes on Tuesday. So now we're like in the season schedule. No more of practice in the morning and interviews late morning, which is when we've been texting everybody. It's going to be they have classes. And so we get interviews after practice, the evening practice. We're going to have interviews with Brian Hartland and receivers Wednesday evening. And then no availability Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. As Ohio State gets into their game week prep again, they open on a Thursday instead of a Saturday. That kind of throws everything up forward two days. We will talk next Monday to Ryan Day, Kerry Combs, and a couple players, and that'll be our one media availability before the Thursday game at Minnesota when all three of us will be there. So that's sort of planning out. We have like another Mount Buckmore to do on Friday. We have a market down Monday to do our final playoff predictions. We have some stuff coming for you guys, but we're we're almost there. And this is what the end of this is going to look like. 614-350-3315. The people seem to like it. The, the, as we're recording this Monday afternoon, the poll to vote for the linebacker Mount Rush Mount Buckmore is about to go out to people. It is going out Monday afternoon. If you are listening to this and you are not a tech subscriber, if you subscribe, say, hey, I didn't get the linebacker poll and I'll send it to you on Tuesday or Wednesday. We'd love to have you vote for that. 614-350-3315. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. Make sure you're reading Cleveland.com slash OSU. We'll take the reviews at Apple Podcasts. We'll go through a couple more of those. Some really great reviews the last couple of days. We're really just, we're appreciative because it knocks our rating up, which is nice, but it's just nice to read nice words and you guys are great to us. So it really means a lot uh, when you're, you know, doing your job and you check in on something and somebody says, they like what you do. And so we appreciate uh, everybody who takes time to do that. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.